We're starting a new series this month on quench not the spirit, but fan into flame. And uh, I borrowed this and stole it from our young people who last month actually were using the scripture and the sermon that I had preached. But as you know, young people, why Kenya, what shall I call it? And uh, I was talking to Mazwi, who helps us lead our youth. And he was telling me what the young people had done with this sermon. And I thought, hey, the young people, I'm going to steal it. But I want to talk about quench not the spirit, but fan into flame. As we find in 1 Thessalonians 5.19, and I thought I would read, I didn't do it so in the first service, but I thought I would read just a few verses before verse 19. So that I don't blame, I don't get blamed. Verse. Because the setting of this scripture is very important for us to have an appreciation of what Paul is talking about. And let me read for you First Thessalonians chapter 5 and let's go back to verse 15. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but follow that which is good, both among yourself and to all men. Verse 16. Rejoice evermore. We're going to be discussing these in the coming weeks. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Note, he didn't say, for everything, give thanks. But he said, in everything, give thanks. There's a difference. And then our main verse, quench not the spirit. This book of Thessalonians, many Bible scholars believe that it was among the earliest letters that were written by Paul. Paul had started this church in Thessalonica, and he and his team had very little time there. They had founded this church that grew rapidly, and they had, from this place, reached out to other provinces to promote the gospel. But then, when you read in chapter 17, there was a great disturbance that happened in Thessalonica, that forced these missionaries, Paul and them, out of the city. And so Paul attempted thereafter to come back to Thessalonica, but he was blocked. And so when you read this missionary letter, you note how Paul is so concerned about this church because he really left an unfinished work there. And many of the new converts and the new believers were still young in the Lord. And Paul was very impressed about their growth. And he said things like, you have been imitators of us as to the Lord. And he reminded them, talked about their faith in God, said your faith is known everywhere. That's in chapter 1. 
He says, you've turned to God from idols and you are serving a living God and a true God and you're waiting for his son who has been raised from the dead. But then, you know, because his stay was, 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 was disturbed and he abruptly had to leave and go away and on trying to come back, he is being hindered. You know that scripture, Satan hindered me. So Paul thought, okay, if I can't go, I'll write a letter. And he's very, he's very, very intentional about what he talks to them about. Because he's talking to believers who are in crisis. It's interesting when he writes, he's writing to people who are experiencing persecution and storms and trouble. But as we've read, he tells them to rejoice. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's like a contradiction. And when he writes in chapter 3, he, he encourages them in their trial. In chapter 1, he says, I left because of the persecution and I'm aware you are in the midst of the persecution and I'm writing to support you. In chapter 4, he tells them to live a godly life. He urges them to work daily as Christians and not be lazy people. And then he gives them an assurance that Christ is coming back. In this letter, you find a theme that runs through it. Paul is giving a warm encouragement to these believers. And he is restating many truths and reminding them of the things that he had taught them daily. And he talks to them and tells them all these things. And then we come to chapter 5 where he kind of goes through these short statements he makes. You know, verse 16, rejoice forevermore. Verse 17, pray without ceasing. Of course, he didn't write in chapter and verse, okay? But this was, you know, done so by the translators later. Then he says, in everything give thanks. Then comes to our verse do not quench the spirit. And Paul, interestingly, uses the expression of quenching like when you put out a fire. So he draws a parallel between the Holy Spirit and fire. And he talks to the saints about that. He uses this analogy of the Holy Spirit being likened as unto a flame, as unto a fire, because many times in the Bible, the Holy Spirit is likened as unto fire or a flame. For instance, in Isaiah 4.4, it says, When the Lord has washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and purged the blood of Jerusalem from her midst by the spirit of judgment and by the spirit of burning. And that phrase, spirit of burning, is talking about the Holy Spirit. In Matthew 3, Jesus says, I indeed, John says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. In Acts chapter 2, it says, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there appeared, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Verse 3, and there appeared unto them divided tongues of fire as of fire and it sat upon each one of them. So the Holy Spirit manifests as fire. And when you read further about this fire, you know that this fire of the Holy Spirit warms our hearts enlightens our mind and empowers our spirit. Let's say that again. This fire of the Holy Spirit, he warms our hearts, enlightens our mind, 
and empowers our spirit. And Paul says, therefore, don't hinder this fire. Don't block this fire. Don't quench this fire. Don't stop this fire. Don't quench the spirit. Instead, flame, fan into flame. Encourage this work of the Holy Spirit. In other words, he's saying, the fire of the Holy Spirit can be snuffed out in our lives. We can diminish the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives when we don't understand how he works or when we resist the Holy Spirit when he works. In other words, the Holy Spirit can work in our lives as believers. And Paul is saying, I'm warning you against opposing the work of the Spirit. Quench not the Spirit. Tell your neighbor, quench not the Spirit. That word quench is the Greek word S-B-E-N-N-U-M-I. You can try to pronounce it, bite your tongue. We'll pray for your healing at the end of the service. S-B-E-N-N-U-M-I. And that word literally means to extinguish. It means extinguish literally or figuratively. Let me give you an example. This word is used of the quenching of fire or the quenching of things that are on fire. Jesus in Matthew 12, 20, when the Bible talks about Jesus, it says Jesus, when he comes, he will not break a crushed blade of grass, note, or put out even a weak flame until he makes justice win the victory. It talks about the way Jesus, though powerful, though strong, but sensitive and delicate, not to destroy whilst he's trying to build. It talks about the combination of God who can come in the power of the Spirit and the Holy Spirit can be fire, thunder, he can be a wind, but at the same time he can come in the form of a dove. It talks about this combination of Jesus being like a lamb but being a lion at the same time. And it talks about how, you know, Jesus will not in any way break, as it says here, even a weak flame. One translation says he won't break a wig. W-I-G. This wig is not the one you wear on the head. Is this wig Anna? But it is this wig Anna that is when you have a gas lamp. You know, I don't know how many of you have got gas lamps. You know, at, at, the, at the top of where the, the, the gas comes out to make a, 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 a glow, to have a glow, there's a thing there called a wig. You know, if you buy it new, it's made out of cloth. You tie it, but once it burns, it turns into another substance. That particular thing, if you've ever used gas, you know that even if it gives a big, bright flame and works with fire, it's a very sensitive substance. If you handle it in a, in a, in an, in a rough way, it can break or it can disintegrate. If you take a gas lamp and just bump it against something, that wick can break. And it's saying here that, you know, we shouldn't do that to the Holy Spirit and extinguish the fire of the Holy Spirit. In other words, even if the Holy Spirit is powerful and strong, effective, can do amazing things, he still needs our response to his working. Let's not create handles for the Spirit and do things that will quench the Spirit and extinguish what the Spirit is trying to do. Tell your neighbor, don't extinguish the Holy Spirit in your life. Don't do that. Don't do that. 
Don't do that. And so this word is used literally in Matthew 25 when Jesus talks about the the foolish virgins and the wise virgins. He says in the parable of the ten virgins, in Matthew 25 verse 8, he says, The foolish ones sent to the wise ones, give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. It's a word extinguished. Our lamps are being extinguished. And remember, that's a picture of the church that you can extinguish the lamp which is the light or the symbol of the Holy Spirit. And the lamp is, and the oil is a sign of the Holy Spirit and we can put out the power of the Holy Spirit. We can quench. That word as well is used as a metaphor in Ephesians 6.16 where Paul is talking about how when Satan throws these fiery darts in us, we can quench them with the shield of faith. So it's used as a metaphor to show the effectiveness and how we can quench what the devil is trying to do. And so Paul, in this instance, is talking about the church and to the church, he says, don't quench the spirit. What do you mean, Paul? He's saying, you can hinder the operations of the spirit amongst you. Why is he saying that? He says, well, as the fire of the Holy Spirit works in your life and in the churches, he will bring about certain things because he is fire. Fire brings purity, power, light, and warmth. Say it with me. Purity, power, light, and warmth. Say it again. Purity, power, light, and warmth. Watch this now. When the fire of the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives and in our churches, he will bring the purity of holiness, the power of victory for us to tread upon serpents and scorpions, the light of the revelation of the word of God and the warmth of God's love in our lives. And Paul says, when the spirit tries to move you in that direction, don't quench him. Be responsive to what the spirit is trying to do and encourage him, fan him into flame. Don't quench him. Let's go through that. Don't quench him when he tries to bring priority in your life. Romans 1, verse 1 to 4, Paul, a bond servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before through his holy prophets, concerning his son Jesus Christ. Watch this now, verse 4, and declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness. See, the, the spirit of God is called the Holy Spirit because he is the spirit of holiness. So Paul says, don't quench the spirit when it tries to put you into holy living. Don't quench the spirit when it's trying to move you into areas of holiness. In chapter 4 of Thessalonians, he says, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and in honor. Not in passion of lust, like the Gentiles who don't know God, that no one should take advantage of or defraud his brother in this matter because the Lord is the avenger of all and we also forewarned you and testify. Now note verse 7. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this, 
does not reject man, but God who has also given us his Holy Spirit. Paul says when God is challenging you about living right, don't quench it. When he tells you to get rid of that makwapene of yours, don't quench it. When he talks to you about stopping to steal, don't quench it. Listen to him. Ask your neighbor, why would toots? So Paul says, instead of quenching him, respond to him. Number two says, don't quench him when it comes to him moving you into victory. When he tries to show you the power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and all the power of the enemy. Because the Holy Spirit will always try to get you on the victory side. The Holy Spirit will not allow you to try and live as a victim because you're not a victim. You are more than a conqueror in the name of Jesus. Don't quench him. When you get to a point where you are trying to lose the battle and you're trying to walk away from it, but you see the Holy Spirit troubling you and speaking to you that this is not how a child of God must behave. This is not how you must face the war. You've got to stand up in the name of Jesus and do what God has called you to do. Listen what Jesus says in Luke chapter 10 verse 19. He says, behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Don't quench the spirit when he tries to take you into areas that you are afraid of. When he makes you to stand up against systems that you are afraid of. Don't quench the spirit when he empowers you to use the name of Jesus and the power of the blood of Jesus. Don't stop him because the Holy Spirit is trying to take you on to victory. Can I hear a good amen and a good shout in that? Don't quench him. Then quench him. Because after you've heard God's word, the Holy Spirit is going to challenge you to live that life as a victorious person. He will give you a sense of being discontented when you're trying to live as a, as a loser. He's going to make you uncomfortable and wake you up in the middle of the night and ask you, why do you behave like this? Umtenagankulunkulu does not behave like this. You've got to stand up and be strong in the Lord and in the power of his mind. What is he doing? He is trying to fan into flame the power of God in your life. Number three, don't quench him when he tries to bring the light of the revelation of the knowledge of God. When he troubles you about practicing the preaching of the word that you've heard. We talked about it last week. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness. He has made this light to shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. See, the minute you hear the teaching of the word, you'll know that the minute you can know what the Bible says, you'll never be comfortable anymore in not doing what the Bible says. If you learn about tithing, you'll never be comfortable anymore if you don't tithe. Ah, it's an amen. When you learn about forgiveness, you'll not be comfortable anymore because the Holy Spirit, what he wants to do, he wants to bring the light of the knowledge of God. Once you hear the light and once you hear the truth, you can't afford to go back. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation where you had justified your situation until you heard something that told you you don't need to stay right where you are. I remember as a pastor, as the minute I started learning about church growth, 
The minute I started realizing that a church can grow and we can have branches, the minute I learned that truth from the word of God, I was no longer satisfied. I was no longer satisfied. I was always discontented inside because you know what you could be. You know where you should be. Come on now, am I talking to somebody? You know what you have in Christ. And once you are exposed to the truth of God's word, see the truth of God's word, somebody said, you know, you know Jesus said, and, and you will know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Maybe what Jesus should have added, it will first make you miserable before it makes you free. Because after you know the truth, it makes you miserable if you don't practice it. Because you know what you should do. You know what you should do. And so the Holy Spirit will always try to move you into that truth. And if you keep shutting his voice down, you know, you heard the sermon that says you must forgive. Now you know you must go forgive somebody at home. So how fita wa mona moto? And how mona moto? Uti kulumage. Come on, at least they know what I'm talking about. Yeah, the Holy Spirit says, Yakiole, go and forgive them. You know, go and forgive them, you know. Go and forgive them. Can a Christian sin? Yes. A Christian can sin. Mara. They will not enjoy it. You won't enjoy it. Mara, it won't be as a, It's not like before you knew the truth. So once Paul says, quench not the spirit. Tell your neighbor, quench not the spirit. Thirdly, number four. The Holy Spirit will try to lead us into the warmth of God's love in our heart and melt our hearts together so that there's harmony and cooperation. One of the biggest problems we have even in the body of Christ today is division. Fighting. Strive. Listen to what the Bible says in Ephesians 4 verse 3 to 6. Make every effort to keep yourself united in the Spirit. Binding yourself together with peace. Hey, for there's one body, one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all, and he's in all, and living through your all. Paul saying God is in you all. God is among you all. If you call on the name of Jesus, if you've received Christ in your life, you are one body. What do we do? We put ourselves in labels, in denominations. You know, I'm a Grace, I'm a Baptist, I'm a Methodist. And we all want to fight and divide over that. You know, yesterday, Bazalan, as you heard me last week talking about, maybe some of you do know, the passing of the young guy who knows Owen. Uh, unfortunately, he passed on, and he, he was found. Uh, he had been missing for a while. Unfortunately, found murdered. Um, and his funeral was yesterday. I love this guy. He used to sit here, second row. And so, out of respect and honor for him, I went to the funeral yesterday, and it was hosted at the Methodist Church here. And I was so thankful, Gu for giving us the opportunity and the privilege to say something and how we were well received and the family as well. You know, when I got up to speak and I, I was telling them, hey, Kana, this, Nali and I, we were 
Nerefeva, same team. You know, and, and I, I, wish, I wish I was at the stadium yesterday. I should have encouraged Orlando Pirates. For, look, <laughs> look, look, man. To give this young man a good send-off, man. achieves. Mara, Mara, it didn't happen. In fact, I, I know Horenorizo. Nararefen achieves the chance. Kening Baluza. Stewart Baxter Wabato so that his... His work is safe. Anyhow, but let me tell you what I was saying yesterday. But then I was saying, then I discovered when I was there that uh, uh, I wasn't the only one who's there who's not from Methodist because he was Methodist, Owen. His family is in the Methodist church. They've been there for years. They're faithful people there. But I wasn't the only person who's not from Methodist. We had people from the Catholic church. And then we find out who Owen the family says, and the people say, that weekend, there were two things he did. Only two things. He went to soccer, and of course, favorite Orlando Pirates. He went to soccer <laughs> and went to church. And he used to visit all the churches. <laughs> so he would come here, he would go to the Catholic church, he would go to blue and white. Come on now, come on now. He would go to everywhere. Yeah. I have never been at a funeral of somebody whose funeral was officiated by different churches. I have never. And this young guy, I stood up and I said, this young guy has taught us what the unity of the spirit is. Whether she say grace, whether she say we seed. Are you understanding whether we're the Catholic Church? We're all one in Christ. Yeah, of course, we, we will commit to our church. We will commit to our local church. But we're not going to criticize the other people. And we're going to work together with the other people. Come on, give the Lord a big hand, I tell you. Yeah. And this is what Paul is saying. Don't quench the Holy Spirit when it's trying to stop you from criticizing the other church. Don't quench the Holy Spirit when it's trying to show you you can learn from people from the other church. Don't quench the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit is leading you to befriend the other person. Don't quench the Holy Spirit in doing that. And in the next weeks, I want to get into the other areas about how he talks about even when the Holy Spirit is moving in the church. Next week, we'll talk about it. We mustn't quench him. It says, quench not the Spirit. Rather, fan him into flame. Encourage the Spirit. In conclusion... When you read in the same chapter, he was talking to them about how they must be responsive to the Holy Spirit when he tries to move among them as they meet, like we are here today. I'm grateful today during the time of worship, many of us, many of you out there, spontaneously responded to the Holy Spirit's prompting in worship and praise to God. Why, Bazalana? Because we are here to be responsive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. We are here, Bazalana, to say to the Holy Spirit, We are here not to have a well-rounded, scripted program. We are here, Bazalana, must deal with our lives. And if he prompts us to pray longer, we will do so. If he prompts us to worship longer, we will do so. If he prompts us to lift up the name of Jesus, we will do so. We will do it even longer. And this is why even during the week, during our time of prayer,
Oftentimes you've heard me say, and as I close, even if I'm closing, I can sense that the presence of God is everywhere. And where you are, instead of rushing off to work, why don't you take some time and spend time in the presence of the Lord? And today, this is my question to you. What is the Spirit saying about you and about your life? Because even as we preach here, there's a word that comes forth where you know, my question to you, are you going to harden up? Are you going to sit there like God's not talking to you? Or are you going to respond to him? And Paul says, quench not the spirit. Allow the spirit to work in your life. Allow the spirit to take you to higher heights. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Shall we all stand on our feet, please? Shall we all stand on our feet, please? Let's stand on our feet. Bow your heads, please, and close your eyes as you stand on your feet. I want to invite all those of you right here in this service, those who are watching by way of television, wherever you are, I want to lead us into a time of prayer now. And this is what I want to ask. When you look at your life, you know, this time of lockdown has affected us in so many ways. And what the young people were saying about this text is that they are realizing that there are things that must be brought back in people's lives. Things that must be fanned back into flame instead of being quenched. People have lost the way of living. People have lost their disciplines. People have stopped in the things that they knew, stopped living for God, all kinds of things. But this month, as we look at this series, God is going to fend things back into flame. God is going to put us back on our feet again. God's going to do things in our lives again. I want to ask you, you are here today, you've come on your own, or you've been invited, but you don't know Christ as Savior and Lord. You're not born again. You're not a child of God. Though you've enjoyed everything that happens here, but if you had to tell the truth, your life is not right before God. Or maybe, maybe, maybe you knew Christ at a point, but you walked away for whatever reason. You did things you shouldn't do. And you are here today to say, you know what? I want to recommit my life to Christ. Would you pray for me? Can we all bow our heads, please, and close our eyes and just remain right where you are? Wherever it is, whatever it is that you need prayer for today, I want to pray for you. This is why we are here in church. We are here to encounter God. We are here to have God speak to us. Whether you are in this auditorium, whether you are watching by way of television, whether you are on social media, or you are in some of our branches, wherever you are, I want to call on you. This is your time to say, God, here is my life. So right where you are, if you need prayer, whether to recommit to Christ, to receive Christ as Savior and Lord, to have God help you in some area and cut off something that you know it's not pleasing to Him in your life and you need prayer, would you raise your hand right where you are? Just raise it high. Let me see it. Do not be ashamed. Do not be afraid. This is your time in the presence of the Lord. Just raise it up. Raise it up right where you are. Raise it up right where you are. Here's my life, God. Thank you for those hands. Thank you for those hands. I know it takes a lot of courage to do it. But you know why we do it? We don't want to quench the spirit. We don't want to say no to the Holy Spirit. We want to respond to the Holy Spirit. Can I ask please our ushers to go stand next to those people? Those of you on television, you can call the counseling line 011-983-5700. There are people waiting there to pray for you. Just raise your hand. If you're in this building, in other buildings, raise your hands. Let the ushers and the counselors go next to you. 
Let me lead you in a prayer right now and all of you watching by way of television. Father, I pray for every person who has responded. I pray that your strength and your life will come upon them. I pray that you change them, transform them. I pray that Jesus, as you come into those who, know, who do not know you, who are receiving you for the first time, you'll make them to be your children. And for those who were saved, but they've moved into other areas, I pray that you bless them and restore them right now. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody shouted and said,